You do it live. You do it live. You do it live. You do it live. Please, won't you be my neighbor, neighbor and friend? Hello, everybody. Welcome to you, me, them, everybody. My name is Brandon Weatherby. We're doing a talk show tonight. Um, like most talk shows, we're just going to sing Nine Inch Nail songs a cappella because I was 13 once. It's Easter, which means we only have blue lights in the beautiful Whistler. And someone. Here's my thing about Easter it's very simple. I don't think. Um, Jesus was a cool dude. I think he was just closeted. That's it. Um, what? Easter makes me uh, think about my weight consistently. I was with a very nice family doing the Easter thing today. I got my photo taken many times. And I was like, oh, I got to lose weight because I'm fat. And that's true. Um, the reason why I think about my weight during Easter so much is because I was hung in church. I uh, was the shirtless man next to Jesus on a cross at 14 years old in front of a church. Let me explain, please. I went to Divine Infant Jesus grade school in not beautiful Westchester, Illinois. You can easily get there. You just take the blue line, and then there's one bus, and it's the 317, and you're about a block from the school. That's where I grew up. I didn't know I was white trash until uh, the woman I love told me, she's right. Let me explain further. The Stations of the Cross, for those of you that don't know, is one of the greatest plays of all time. There's 15 chapters, and in most churches, those chapters are portrayed in paintings or statues on the wall. First, uh, one of, I think the first station is Pontius Pilate washes his hands of, of uh, any responsibility because he's a politician, played by David Bowie in The Last Temptation of Christ. The second stage is Jesus getting whipped and all this bullshit. And um, a lot of people don't know, there were two criminals that were hung next to Jesus. These criminals go through all of the stations of the cross with Jesus. So, at the age of 14, I wore a robish type toga thing, my divine infant Jesus basketball shorts, and a sweet pair of boxers. Stage, I think it's 12, you strip naked! They strip the criminals naked, which they did. It was weird, and I could still feel the cold marble on my feet because they wouldn't let me wear my awful airwalk shoes. I'm essentially nude, wearing boxer shorts, about to be put on the cross. And in this situation, they don't actually use nails because they're pussies. You just put your hands through a weird rope configuration, which I did admirably. I was hung to the left of Jesus. There's another criminal that was hung to the right of Jesus. The interesting thing about my graduating class at Divine Infant Jesus class of 97 was uh, there was one person that wasn't baptized Catholic. That was me. And one African American. Guess who played the criminals, folks? It was fantastic. <laughs> Jesus, on the other hand, one of my best friends, Neil Gorka, Jesus, went on to be drafted by the New York Yankees. At 14, he had abs... That's not fair. He was Jesus. And he's got a beautiful olive skin and curly hair. Really? That's not cool. Anyways, Mary Magdalene, the whore, was uh, played by the woman I loved and lusted after for many a year. She went on to not go to college and be a hairdresser and has two kids and is married a cop, so I won. You know what? I never have to worry about cops coming in the Whistler. That's why I love this place. I don't think this is their scene. 
because there's zero flat screens. Anyways, she was the person that collected the robes. So my pudgy fucking self is just watching her essentially undress me, feeling her weird, veiny hands. They were veiny, still are. I'm just, now I'm, I'm at a cross, and I'm 14, and in front of me are the preschoolers, behind them the kindergarten, etc., until you get to the eighth grade and the parents. And I have an erection that could cut a diamond, folks. <laughs> and like most 14-year-olds, I thought, you know what's good about boxers? The little button, because you could never actually pull your dick out and use it. But you should have that, because real men have that. And that's where erect penises like to escape from. So, something came over me. I'm s- s- fucking holding my arms like I'm in a Creed video. My right, ar- right guard deodorant that I applied much too much of is looking like LL Cool J in the Unplugged concert series. Dripping sweat, hard erect penis, and I'm looking straight down at my penis and the girl with the weird nose I loved. Soaking it in. Realizing that this is how I know Jesus was a gay man that was tortured and I should lose some weight. Just if you, if you feel overweight and um, you are maybe, I don't know, I am. That's the best pose you can be in. I've never looked thinner. It makes your chest go up and in. You, get, like, I ha- you can see my ribs for the first time since ever. And it was fantastic. And now that we're here on Easter, I'm not going to strip in front of you. Because I care about you. Instead, we're going to do a talk show. Because that's what Jesus would have wanted. And there are probably about 30 guys within a 10 block radius of this bar in Logan Square named Jesus. So we're going to go out and poll them afterwards. Thank you so much for coming. We have a fantastic show tonight. We have Amy Phillips from Pitchfork News. Please put your hands together for Amy. Wait. We have comedy from Prescott Talk. Please put your hands together from Prescott. Good job, Jeremy. And ending the night will be post-honeymoon. Esmeralda's my co-host. We're going to chat. Please put your hands together for Jeremy. Jeremy, now is your cue to play piano. That was beautiful, Jeremy. How are you, Esmeralda? I'm good. How are you? What do you think of this hat that I am wearing? Okay, I guess. I feel the same way. For those of you, not me, um, this hat says the Ragtones. Jeremy, the piano player, is in the band, the Ragtones. Jeremy walked into this bar wearing a hat advertising his band. That's how you know it's a great band. All the guys in Zeppelin wore hats that said Zeppelin. It's just a fact. If you wear your band's hat, it's going to be fantastic. Esmeralda and I do the podcast. We do news stories. Esmeralda, let's do a story. All right, well, uh, I know I'm not going to Prince William's wedding because he's banning beer. Wait, wait, wait. Prince William's, he's banning beer and liquor. Yeah. Is that because ugly people hate beer and liquor? By the way, folks, Prince William is ugly. And balding. He is balding. But I'm not going to put that against him. Will he wear a top hat? Poor fellow. I hope so. I bet those are the most fantastic flasks that get snuck into that shitty wedding. No, but I just, I'm not going now, even though I wasn't invited. Okay. I'm still not going to go. But I just hate the fact that what they say is that they deem beer to be unsuitable for such a prestigious occasion. Snooty fuckers. They are snooty fuckers. Next story. (laughs) (laughs) 
I just wanted to point that out. That I don't I'm think I don't think this is a royal wedding viewing crowd, Esmeralda. <laughs> Look at where you're at. Taking that into account. It's a classy place. All right. So here's the next thing I, I found out. Uh, a man ejaculates into female coworker's water bottle as a sign of adoration. I don't what. If I ejaculated into the crowd's water bottles, do you think they'd be upset? Yeah, yes, yeah, that's fair. Yeah. Okay, we now have clear. No, we got a we got a split decision on that. Although I understand protein, great protein, protein. It's just, good for the vegans in the crowd. There you go. Although it's still it's a man animal. Thing. It's a man animal thing, of no, course. You know, that makes sense. It's a man animal thing. You know that old Irish saying: "It's a man animal thing." Well, no, it's because vegans don't eat. Anything made from animals, right? Yeah, that makes sense. And we are an animal. You connected so those dots admirably. They still can't eat semen. <laughs> no, but I just... It's so... She takes a sip of water and she realizes it tasted semen-y. I don't know how you do. Do you realize how hard it is for me to ask you how does semen taste? Next story. I don't know. Uh... Five kitchen tricks every man should know. And my favorite is number one. It says chop an onion, parentheses, without shedding a tear. Because chopping onions and crying is for pussies. Are you a faggot if you cry when you cut onions? Apparently according to this. Why do you associate weak with being gay, Esmeralda? That's an awful stereotype that you walked into. My fault. Esmeralda hates gay people, everybody. Okay, next story. (laughs) That's awesome. Thanks. Not a problem. You hate Lindsay. the royal family and gay people. <laughs> Thank you. We're never going to get on Logo. <laughs> I want, that's not a joke. I want to be on Logo, Drag Race, best show ever. Next. Yeah, RuPaul's not going to dig that. I'm going to host without you. You're going to be Rue jealous. Great. <laughs> Just add Rue to I everything. I would be Rue jealous. Wouldn't, I am, I'm already Rue jealous. Can we make that a word, Rue jealous? I think it's already a word. It's a, also a fragrance. <laughs> Rue jealous. It smells like duct tape. Uh, Lindsay Lohan uh, is pissed over her jail sentence. Because, you know, DUIs, fucking stealing shit and punching people in the face doesn't warrant any jail time. Lindsay Lohan maybe stole a necklace, got 120 days. The guys from the BP oil spill got zero time. Yeah, but she punched. She hit somebody. So what? Let her punch and hit somebody. She stimulates economies. Without her, there are no TMZs. There are no really shitty movies. She makes money for people. She hasn't been in a movie in a while, though, so that's not she was in the mo- She was in the movie that was supposed to be a wide release that it ended up as a Disney Channel movie because she got fake pregnant. I still think she's a whore. So? Why are you against whores, gay people, in the royal family? You're against everyone that listens to our show. <sighs> Walgreens installs, or two install charging stations for electric cars. In the city. I'm confused by that. How many fucking people have electric cars in the city? Maybe because there's not enough charging stations, not enough do. But I really doubt them being at Walgreens is really going to stimulate anything. That is true. It should be at a Whole Foods. Exactly. Yep. Although I do like that Walgreens is now just grabbing everything. Now they got liquor. Yeah, do you know why they didn't have liquor for a long time? No. Uh, one of the sons of the, the Walgreens empire was addicted to painkillers. <laughs> So they got rid of alcohol because they found Jesus or else someone can't hold their drugs. Wait, wait, why didn't they just get rid of the pharmacy? I know. Because, I don't know. That just okay. No, you have a great idea there. Do you have anything else? No, what was I going to say about that? I don't know. Oh, you, you tried the Walgreens wine. I tried the Walgreens wine. It was really good. <laughs> That's not a joke. 
The Walgreens uh, Merlot. Not bad. Three thirty-three on sale. Highly what, uh, recommended. What is it? What did it? Uh, did it have any notes of anything in it? No, it got me a little tipsy. It was fantastic. Notes it didn't tipsy? make me feel sick. That. That's it. That's a good wine, then. Yeah, I don't care. It was great. That's a good wine. It had alcohol. It was three dollars, and I didn't feel homeless. What's what do you want from me? That's actually good because it was Walgreens wine. You think it would make you homeless? That's yeah, I agree. Or feel homeless. I bought no. it with food stamps. That's not funny. I'm sorry, crowd. How you doing, buddy? In the crowd? No, she didn't like that one? All right, moving on. We got anything else or no? Oh, this is my favorite. Hospital employee punches boss in the face after being laid off. So, But that makes them no longer an employee. It's just somebody punched somebody at a hospital. Yeah, that's great. That is great. So you're pro-violence. Sounds like a movie. What movie? Any movie where they punch people? No. That was Kill Bill. They reenacted Kill Bill. See, there you go. Yeah, yeah, Jeremy, you're no right. There is no punch to Kill Bill. That's a clean movie. Just a lot of murdering and slicing people's limbs off. Far from punching. I don't think this segment could have any ended any better with murdering people. Are you ready to move on? Ladies and gentlemen, eyes to the stage. Attention <laughs> for your first guest of the evening. Coming to the stage, everybody, please put your hands together for Amy Phillips, everybody. Amy Phillips. Okay, Amy. Yes. You write about music. I do. Why do you do this? It seems like a pointless endeavor. Wow, that's an excellent question. I'm um, only saying that because you actually do good work, and I've read your stuff, and I know you. It's a softball question. Well, I write about music because, well, it's a very selfish reason. I enjoy writing, and I enjoy music, and I am enthusiastic about music. Does this sound weird? Yeah, it yeah. sounds weird. You hello? yelling terrible isn't helping right now. Hello, hello, hello. Oh, okay, that sounds better. It sounded like I had a terrible cold. Do you have a terrible cold? No, I don't. Fantastic. So you've been writing for Pitchfork for a while now. Well, I didn't finish answering the first question. Let's keep going. You like writing about music. You say it's a selfish endeavor. It's I say selfish no. selfish because I am enthusiastic about certain kinds of music, and I want to share my enthusiasm with the world, and I want everybody to be enthusiastic. And likewise... Things that I am not enthusiastic about, I want everyone else to not be enthusiastic about, too. Let's stay with the positives. What are you currently <laughs> enthusiastic about? Current artists? Yes. Um, I'm really enthusiastic about uh, Tune Yards. Tune I Yards. love that new record. I like that someone in here actually knows who that is and cheered along for them. <laughs> it's a great no, I know new record. It's great. It's great. Um, I really like Sleigh Bells, though I yes. guess that's kind of last year. Um, For those of you not me, Amy made a face. (laughs) Um, What's new that's really good? That's okay. Don't worry about it. Next question. Okay. Sleigh Bells played Pitchfork Music Fest last year. Yes. I heard completely mixed reviews about that set. It was. I've seen them a few times, and that wasn't their best set. I think that the stage that they were on, the sound wasn't that good. Is it hard for you to write critically about the festival that you guys put on? We don't. We you don't, don't write about no. it? No. Okay. No. We tried that. The first year we did it when we were kind of trying to find our footing, we uh, we did it. But then we realized this is really dumb. We shouldn't be writing about our own festival. We can't just say, hey, this band was great. This band was great because it was our own festival. Or likewise, hey, this band was terrible. 
why did we have them play our festival? So Fair no, enough. we don't we don't cover it that way. We do photographs and interviews, but and that's fun. Do you have? Yeah. You used to do a lot more interviews than what you do now. Yes. Why don't you? Do you miss it at all? Interviewing bands? I I don't really. Uh, personally, I did so many interviews for so many years that it got very kind of rote for me and uh, not as exciting as it once was because many musicians are just they have their sticking points that they want to talk about their new record and they don't have much interesting to say it's very rare to find a musician that actually has something exciting to talk about who is a good who is a good interview in terms of musicians is there anyone that's always going to provide you with something decent and original um I'd or at say least honest I'd say really good interviews are uh, John Darnielle from the Mountain Goats. He's always going to say something clever and interesting. Uh, Ted Leo. Um, who else is has been really reliably good? Uh, Colin Malloy from the Decemberists. Really? Also has very... So pretty much everyone you've described is just well-read. <laughs> maybe. Maybe that's the key. I don't know. There have been plenty of well-read musicians that are totally boring that I've... Fair enough. Talk to. You just got back from um, the South by Southwest. I did. I know that because I can now read Twitter again. <laughs> Do you still like going to places like that? South by Southwest is uh, only, for me, it's only as good as the uh, bands that are there playing that year. So the actual experience in and of itself isn't quite as valuable for me as it once was because... Just the kind of I've I've gone nine times. The novelty You've is gone kind nine of nine times yes. South by Southwest. Yes. Um, is that so, consecutive years? Yes. Is it getting too big to enjoy? No, I think that if you're not too ambitious about it, if you don't try to see nine hundred things, if you're very focused on what you want to see, then it's not as overwhelming as okay. it might be. But you know, it depends. If every band you see doesn't put on a good show, then the it's like, why am I here? But if you see even one thing that's just mind-blowing, it's like, yes, this whole thing was completely worth it. Did you see anyone this trip that was mind-blowing? Nothing that was, like, oh my god, amazing. But uh, some of the good stuff I saw was uh, the kills were great. I mean, yeah. they're always great. Um, this new band called Colts. Colts. Colts, who were kind of on the... C-U-L-T-S? C-U-L-T-S. Okay. Yeah, they're kind of on the rise. They were really good. Like, Where are they wait, from? I think they're in Brooklyn now, but they're from California. Fair enough. Do you think it matters where you live and how you listen to music? Does Do scenes matter anymore? Are you, he, yes. He, really? Yes. Explain. I think scenes matter because even though, you know, in a perfect world, you know, in the fantasy of what the internet is, it doesn't matter where you live, etc., it's still all about... There still is a lot of value to networking and who you know and who you play with and who um, you just get inspired by. And I think that, uh, you know, if I... I know for me personally, if I really, really like a band and then I see who that band is friends with, who they play with, who they've collaborated with, then I'd be more likely to check out those other bands based on that. Do you think most people do that? I don't know about most people. I know that my coworkers at Pitchfork, a lot of us do that. Well, that brings me to another question. You've been doing this for a very long time. How do you remain excited about this? <laughs> It's hard. Because um, it, you've been it doing this harder. since college, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I was just thinking the other day, I think I've been doing this for 12 years. 
Um, That's a long time for your industry. It is. Yeah, it is. And um, you're not jaded, bitter, or a cokehead. How? Well, I'm a little. I'm a little jaded. I'd say I. I actively dislike a, or think is boring about 90% of what I hear. But honestly, the ten, that other 10% is what makes it worth it because you're always looking for that spine-tingling moment and when it happens, and it yeah. inevitably happens, it's worth it. How, how, uh, how often do you go to new shows of bands you've never heard about? New shows. Like every, yeah, you just go to rerun shows. No. <laughs> how often do you go to shows of bands you've never heard of? Oh, I, I never go to a show of a band that I've never heard of. So how do you find out about new music? Uh, from Pitchfork, okay. <laughs> and from... You, for all intents and purposes, <laughs> right now, you are Pitchfork, to the listener. Oh, okay. Well, how does Pitchfork find out about it? Well, from reading other websites, from um, uh, things we get in the mail, things we get emailed. Do you listen to everything you receive? Oh, God, no. That would be impossible. I, wouldn't, I couldn't even be here right now. Well, this, <laughs> this could be a very helpful question. If, if no one... Popped. What's up? The bubble... <laughs> Say the bubble has been popped with that one. <laughs> if you've never, uh, if you're a bedroom artist, should you even bother mailing stuff to Pitchfork? I think it's a much better, a much uh, better way is to send us a link rather than a physical product. Okay. Um, because it's so much easier for us to just click and listen than you know get out the CD, etc. And when there's so much. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, I mean, of course. I mean, we listen. If something looks interesting, people will listen to it. You know, I can't guarantee you will like it or write about it. So, like, cover art is actually important. Yeah, cover art, your name, things like that. Okay, okay. So, give me a, a band that has a great name and you listen to just because of their name. Um. Okay, for example, Jeremy's in a band called the Otter Petter. <laughs> yeah. See, I would. Would you I ever would... even open that package? No, definitely okay, not. Fantastic. Thank you. <laughs> definitely not. Otter Petter is a good band, everybody. Awful name. But uh, I'm trying to think of what what's been a really good name that I've that I've listened to just because it was a really good name. What about like a Pains of Being Pure at Heart? Is that a good name or a bad name? Oh, that's name? a terrible name. The I Decemberist. Think. How is that a good name? That's They're not a good name. I mean, there's plenty of bands that have terrible names that have gone on. Uh, oh, a good example of a band that had a good a good name that I just picked up and listened to was the uh, this band Blood Echoes, which is on uh, Whistler. Oh, oh, you are just plugging the house. No, no, I love no. you so That's much. That's a great name, Blood Echoes. Yeah, Isn't for those cool of you name? that don't know, if you're not in Chicago or you don't leave your house, the Whistler has an amazing record they label. They do. Consistently amazing stuff, and they release seven inches because uh, they like being poor. It's fantastic. <laughs> yeah, It's so. ambitious. So does a label matter? Yeah, a label does matter. I mean, it's not everything, but... From our perspective, you know, there are certain labels we will definitely listen. Like every Matador release will instantly get a listen. It'll get a listen and it'll get a review. Yeah. Um, it won't necessarily be good. I mean, we've certainly trashed plenty of stuff. But it's not everything, you know. It's It certainly helps, at, you know, both from a monetary perspective and a... What you do is a full-time job. It's yes. not as easy as people think. Could you ex- really quickly go through a day, like a normal Thursday for you? Um, I run the news section at Pitchfork, so my day consists of going through my emails, um, going through Twitter and RSS feeds, and uh, editing. Uh, you know, I, I assign my writers what needs to get written, and then I edit it and put it up on the website, and then tweet it and Facebook it. So it's a combination of editing and looking for 
news. What would you be doing if there was no pitchfork, if there was no internet, uh, blog scene, etc.? I would hopefully be working for a magazine. You used to freelance a lot more. I don't know if you still freelance, but um, one of the most fascinating things you've ever told me is you used to like to write about metal for metal magazines. (laughs) Why is that? Well, I'm you know I'm not a metalhead. I didn't I didn't grow up with metal, but it was such a fun challenge for me as a writer and uh, and a music fan to uh, educate myself about this scene that I wasn't you know was a total poser in. Yeah. But you know it's a great kind of intellectual exercise to um, convince people you're an expert in, you know, when you're doing a review, 200 words. <laughs> Will you listen to metal at home, ever? Yeah. Who was no. your favorite band at 13? Uh, 13 was probably Nirvana. Yeah, we, that's why I like or you. Or Hole. Yeah! A- any chance it's ever going to happen again, you think? Nirvana? Or Hole. Not, you know what I mean. <laughs> hole happening again? You know, no, not that, but like something that... Big, like 10 million copies, and it completely destroys a TV network and no. rebuilds it. No. Is there anything exciting left? Yes, but it's just on a much smaller scale. Yeah. Uh, final question. What's one piece of advice you can give to a, a wannabe music writer? What should they be doing if they want to get paid to write about music? Well, you should write for free and get your name out there and have another source of income and uh, develop your own style and uh, make sure you're a good writer before having good taste you know so uh, ability to write is better than taste yes because if you're a good writer you can apply it to whatever you get assigned it's brilliant um, that's very good advice you know so many bloggers out there have a very good taste but aren't good writers and, th- and this is specifically if you're asking about writing yes <laughs> um, and don't expect to make money out of it yeah <laughs> that's what I'd say Thank you. No Do you want to plug anything? The bar. Get drinks at the bar. The Whistler. It's Fantastic. Awesome. Everybody, Amy yes. wants to plug The Whistler. Everybody, please put your hands together for Amy Phillips, everybody. Amy Phillips. Hey, Brandon, you want to hear something really depressing about Nirvana? Go ahead. Uh, a few days ago, I was listening to 101.9 The Mix, and guess what came on? Come as you are. No, smells like teen spirit. Fantastic. Eric and Kathy are Nirvana fans, everybody. Coming to the stage, one of my favorites, hopefully soon to be one of yours. Please, put your hands together, everybody, for Prescott Talk, everybody. Prescott Talk. Guys, are you ready for the best 12 minutes of your life? This is going to be amazing. Oh, my God. You guys made a smart choice tonight. Honestly, seriously, the only thing better than what you're about to see is Julio Iglesias live. (laughs) Did you see him? He was in town. Million-dollar marketing campaign on the radio. Every other ad I heard was for Julio Iglesias Live. Their big selling point? There's only one Julio Iglesias. Now, I'm not trying to say I know exactly how many Julio Iglesiases there are, but I'm pretty sure it's safe to say there's more than one. 
I'm just saying, if I were on the prices right bidding on the number of Julio Iglesias, I think 30000 would be a conservative estimate in the Los Angeles area alone. I'm just saying Julio Iglesias could probably perform at Soldier Field to a sold-out concert playing in front of nothing other than Julio Iglesias and a few Enriques. Pitchfork, take notice. I am psyched, people. Any day now, I'm getting back that tax refund. Clap it up for the tax refund, everybody. Every year I wait for that tax refund, and that's what I live off of for the rest of the year. I have a very shady accountant. Last year I got back $12,000. I only made $8,000. I don't know how he does it. He always tries me to get me to say that I'm writing off more than I actually should. I always feel like I'm getting molested when he does it, too, because after everything he says, he always asks, are you comfortable with that? <laughs> Prescott, last year, what would you say you donated to the Salvation Army? I don't know, Mark, like $300? Okay, okay, okay. Here's the thing. Each year, the federal government allows you to donate up to $1,500 to the Salvation Army. Now, what do you think you donated last year? I'll give it to you after the show. I've hooked him up with a lot of people by doing that bit. It's amazing. I think I'm going to get audited. I know it. Because I pretty much get caught doing anything I've ever tried to get away with. To the point that I'm always nervous I'm about to be caught even when I'm not doing anything wrong. To this day, if I walk into a bar and the bouncer IDs me, I still shake when I'm handing him my ID. Because I'm afraid he's going to find out I'm not 21 even though I'm 33. If I walk out of CVS and the alarm accidentally goes off, I'll just run. Because on my mind, I'm like, did I steal something? Fuck, I don't have time to find out. Just go. I'm going to be honest with you, people. I have two directions I can go right now. I could tell you an amazing story. Or I could just blab one-liners because no one's listening. How many people want an amazing story? Majority wins. That means people who are talking, you will be murdered if you continue to talk. Give me seven minutes, and I will tell you the most amazing story you've ever heard. And after those seven minutes, if you disagree, you can talk again. Is everyone on board? Can I get a piano? It happened one day when I was 16. 
I took my parents' car out for a joyride. No license, no permit. 15 minutes later, I hit a Mercedes. And I tried to get away with it too. I told the guy, listen, I live a few blocks away from here. Can we just go back to my apartment? We'll talk to my father. He'll make everything work out. I don't know who the fuck I thought my father was. He was in the sweater industry. The only thing he knows about is stitching and pockets. The man is obsessed with pockets. His motto is, if you don't have pockets, you're going to lose shit, so get some pockets. Every time I brought home a new garment, he wanted to know where the pockets were right away. I once brought home a new jacket. There were two pockets there, two pockets there. He goes, no, 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 no. Those are too small. You can't put stuff in those. I opened it up, and there was a big one inside. He goes, that's a great jacket. About a year after I crashed that car, for some reason, New Jersey gave me a license. And I wasn't going to ask to borrow my father's car, but one night he came up to me and he said, Prescott, what's done is done. I forgive you. You have a license now. I want to lend you the car. I'm going to give you the keys, but I have one request. Do not go into the city. We live 10 minutes outside New York City. He said, please do not go into Manhattan. You're not ready to drive in New York. Promise me you won't go. And I said, okay. I went ahead and picked up my friends, Frank and Angel. Angel gets in the car, and the first thing he says to me is, says, Prescott, do you want to go to the city? I said, okay. About an hour and a half later, we're driving back from Manhattan. On 10th Avenue and 22nd Street, we see these three women on the corner dressed not so much. An angel says, pull up over there. And I do. And he rolls down the window. These three women come up to the car and they're like, hey boys, you guys want to party? And Angel's like, yeah. And they're like, how about all three of us get in that car with all three of you, $50 each. And Angel's like, whoa. How about all three of you get in this car with all three of us, $10 total. And they look at each other and they're confused and like, well, you guys are so cute and young. All right, pull up over there. Angel rolls up the window quickly and he looks at us. He goes, guys, do either of you have $10? Right then we see lights in front of us, lights behind us, lights above us, people repelling off of buildings. There's a cop in front of the passenger side of the window with a gun pointed at our heads saying, put the car in park and get the fuck out right now. And I was like, okay, that's definitely what I'm going to do. That is now the plan. We get out of the car. They put our hands behind our back, handcuff us, our head against the hood. It was a sting operation. We were the last ones they caught. They had been doing it all night. They take us back to the 10th precinct where there are 14 other guys lined up against the wall, all caught for the same thing. Oddly, very eclectic mix of people, all different races. It was like a Benetton ad for perverts. And the cops come up to us and they say, look, was there anything in the car you were not supposed to have? And we're like, no. And they're like, listen, we'll go easy on you if you tell us the truth. Are you sure? Was there anything in the car you were not supposed to have? 
So now I'm getting nervous. I'm thinking of things we're not supposed to have. I'm like, well, we had cigarettes. We're under 18. They're like, no. Like, well, we had some tapes with explicit lyrics. (laughs) The cop goes, no. And then he pulls out a bag of cocaine and he goes, what about this? And I go, swear to God, officer, I don't know where that God that came from. That is not mine. I swear to God. He goes, don't worry. We're just fucking with you. Which they were doing all night. Basically, we were in this jail cell in their office all night, and they would just lean out of their desk and look at us and be like, $10. Who said $10? (laughs) That shit was funny. The worst part about being arrested for soliciting prostitutes is having to call your mother and tell her you were arrested for soliciting (laughs) prostitutes. She's half asleep when she gets the call. I go, Mom, listen. She goes, what? I go, I have to tell you something, but you can't tell dad because he told me not to go into the city and I'm in the city. She goes, what happened? I go, mom, I'm arrested. She goes, what were you arrested for? I go, talking to prostitutes. She goes, what were you talking about? Right then I hear a door slam, a dog bark, and I know my father just came back from walking the dog. And my mother says, Randy, it's your son. I don't understand what he's talking about. And I just hung up the phone. I told the cop, yeah, you call him back. I'm going to go back to jail. Is that cool? He's like, yeah, it's fine. Go ahead. We were in this jail cell all night, all night, to 11 a.m. the next day. Everyone arrested for the same thing. Until like 4 a.m., some tall black guy came in. I don't know what he was arrested for. But he must have been arrested at this precinct before because he was shocked about how many people were there. He walked in, he's like, what the fuck is going on here tonight? And one of the guys was like, uh, we all got arrested for soliciting. He goes, soliciting? Who? The guy points to one of the undercover cops who's now in plain clothes, this frail, tiny white chick standing in the back and he points at the girl and he goes that chick that chick's got braces what kind of hoe has dental care and everyone's like that's a good point that's a great why didn't we think of that why would anyone pay for that at 11 a.m we're released i go home i walk into my bedroom i never want to see my parents again i'm mortified My father comes in my bedroom. He decides this is the time to have a sex talk. The guy's never mentioned sex to me before. I'm 17. I just got arrested for listening to prostitutes. Now's the time we should have a talk. He comes in. He says, Prescott, we got to talk. I go, what? He goes, look, I don't know what you think happens with these types of women, but I work in a lot of neighborhoods where I see these women walking around all day, and it's not what you think. What happens is they get in your car, They pull down your pants. Then they pull a razor blade out of their vagina. They slit your throat, take your money, and run. (laughs) Then he gets up and walks out. That's the whole sex talk. That's everything you need to know about sex, according to my father. And I'm so confused. I'm like, Dad, why? Why do they put razor blades in their vagina? He goes, probably because they don't have pockets. That's my time, everybody. Thank you for listening. Prescott Talk.
Prescott. Thank you, Brandon. You're funny. I, I, I think so. It's, it's hard to tell over the, the clatter, but I think you guys enjoyed it, right? Oh, you won them over. I don't even know if clatter is a word. I think I meant clamor. Have your parents seen your act? Uh, my parents have seen my act. What yes. do they think? Have you done that story in front of them? Um, I've, yes, I, I've done it in front of both of my parents. That, uh, they weren't at the same show. Uh, but yes, I've done it in front of my I mean, they were there. They remember what happened. It's not like they're like, oh my God, you were arrested? They're like, oh yeah, I remember that time. What do they think about you as a comic? Uh, you know, I'm Jewish, so uh, my parents, like, they're supportive. Uh, they, they thought that just because I was Jewish, I, I would be famous very quickly. Uh, it hasn't happened that way, but uh, they, they've always been very supportive. They still think any day now I'm going to be the... Uh, the biggest thing since uh, Milton Burl. Speaking of Milton Burl, <laughs> yes, I slurred that. I was walking by a classroom, a college classroom, and I could see in the classroom, and projected on the wall was a, uh, an Excel. Not Excel. That doesn't make sense. A presentation, and on the wall it said, "Why are Jewish people funny?" Prescott, why are Jewish people funny? I don't know. I think it's a. Uh, Dialect, maybe the, the 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 inflection, and you know. Are all racist jokes funny? Yes. What's your favorite? Uh, I I honestly don't know any. Do you wish we pre-planned this interview? What's that? Nothing. Go ahead. You had a one-man show. I did. I, I did it by myself. <laughs> How was that? Um, it it was great. Um, oftentimes I was performing it for myself as well, but uh. <laughs> It, it was great, a great experience because I, I've been doing stand-up for 12 years, and uh, I removed myself from the idea of having a joke every two seconds and said, I want to tell stories. And so I was able to really take myself out of the stand-up world and, and, and kind of do something what I, I felt was a lot different and creative. So I enjoyed get, breaking away. Speaking of not creative, you also ran an open mic at Shuba's for many years. I did. I, I, yeah, three years. Did the stabbing of the person of himself, figure this out, okay. in Bend, Oregon, at an open mic shock you in any way? No, I, this isn't an open mic and I want to stab myself right now. Exactly. Do you want to go through and guess what each person talking is talking to their partner about? No, because I almost feel like we sprung this upon them. I don't feel like they know. It's like this girl in the front row wants to talk, but she's very beautiful, and she knows that if she listens, people will think she doesn't have a life. <laughs> and so she continues to talk even though she's in the front row. She looked for the seat and wanted to sit in the front row, but said, I don't want to act like I'm paying attention because I want people to know I have a social life. That's fantastic. Let's plug stuff. Prescott, you're moving. I, I'm moving. Yes, let's plug my move. Let's do that. If Sit. anyone wants to carry end tables or bookcases into a truck... <laughs> when will you be using I, the truck? I'm making a big move um, from Andersonville to Logan Square. I'm, <laughs> no, I'm moving out to L.A. In, uh, in a couple of months. Why? Why boo? Really? Because the weather here is grand, and there's so many jobs for comics. Why would well, anyone no, ever leave? I mean, obviously, if you live here and you plan on living here, you should boo any place other than here. That, that's natural. Um, 
But yes, I, I want to be able to perform in front of talking audiences in sunnier settings. It's going to be great. Yes. You and Mark Marin could bond. Uh, yeah, I, I actually would love to do Mark Marin's podcast and talk about this show and be like, WTF, man. <laughs> it's very insidery. That's why no one laughed. That's okay. No one was listening. That's fantastic. <laughs> Uh, no, people should see you before you leave. What's a show coming up where you can plug? Um, where should you see me? I'm often at the uh, the Red Bar Comedy Club. I'll be there again I, I, uh, May 14th. Uh... It's a great club. We actually have uh, flyers and discount cards for that. There's a big Todd Glass show coming out. We're going to give away tickets for that. So Yeah. Yeah. You're very, very funny, and that's a great place to see you. Thank you. I also should plug, I'm at the Beat Kitchen every other Tuesday night, which is a great show. One of the uh, best underground should, comedy shows yes. in the city. Website? Website, uh, prescotttalk.com. One of my favorites. Please put your hands together, everybody, for Prescott Talk. Thank you very much. People are really spot on with the clapping, I noticed. I know. They were great. Like when you're told to clap, you clap. Thank you guys so much for sticking around. I, I really, really appreciate it. That's not a joke. Who am I speaking with? Who is the listener listening to? Rachel Kraska. From? Post Honeymoon. I saw Rachel's other band about five years ago in Nashville. It was New Black. It was a house show. My girlfriend and I walked about four miles to see you guys, and it was one of the best shows of my life. Five years later, I asked you to play a podcast. Did you have any idea who I was? I did. I remembered you. You're the nicest person in the world. (laughs) You are called Post Honeymoon for a reason. Yes, we started this band after our honeymoon. You're an actual married couple. We are indeed. How is that working out? He's past the three-year mark. This is awesome. I have a microphone and he has none. Yeah, that's why I wanted to do this. What is your most annoying thing about him? Him being your husband. Oh, that's hard. What is one? He snores. Does he? Do you snore? Yes. You both snore. Maybe... That's not actually a problem, and you're meant to be together. It's possible. Do you like the same types of music? Yes. That works out. That's not what I wanted to hear. (laughs) Why did you do this? Most couples just hate each other and not do anything creative. What's the point? Why are you in a good band together? How did that come about? Why are we in a band? We ask ourselves that all the time. (laughs) Are you happy that you're doing this? Yeah, you know, we like touring, and every time we practice and write music, we get in a big fight. Do you really? Yes. What do you usually fight about? Well, Nick. <laughs> he gave you the go ahead. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> he loves you dearly. It's so clear. I'm I like to take things slowly. He likes he likes to write things quickly. Oh, okay, writing. You're talking about writing music. Yeah. Okay. What what, what It did didn't you sound like that at all. About? It I don't know. Something different. Why should people see you? Cuz we're good. There you go. Where can people see you next? Time to plug. We got to we're going to uh, We're going to end this interview and Post Honeyman's going to set up and play an amazing fucking set. So and no let's one plug will you guys. be able to hear. Oh, we're going to blow ears out. It's going to be amazing. We're playing Quenchers. Nick is looking it up now. I think it's May 7th. <laughs> Well, your website's very good, and you actually know how to update it like a real band. Yes, we do. May 7th, Quenchers. And you have seven inches and beautiful t-shirts. We we have full lengths. Full lengths. We do. And beautiful t-shirts and and free stickers. And stickers and all that stuff. And you're going to keep playing? We are. Fantastic. Yeah. That makes me happy. Merle, you got anything? No. All right, good. 
Please, everybody, please put your hands together for Post Honeymoon. They're going to set up. Jeremy, play some music. What do you say? Should we play a show?
Hey, sorry about all the uh, delay on getting all, all our stuff worked out up here. We're doing our best we can up here, but this one is for you guys, and it's going to be fun. Come as a surprise 
Honeymoon's night of technical failures. It all works. The machines always win. Fart keyboards. Left on the ground You took my memories I played the fool You took my heart away When you walked right through the Fall for the day And I walk right out and come and say Fall for the day and I walk right out and come and say Gotta run, gotta run, gotta run now, baby Gotta run, gotta run, gotta hide now, baby Gotta run, gotta run, gotta hide now, baby Gotta run, gotta run, gotta hide, I know You took 
took my heart away You broke me down You took my memories Left on the ground You took my energy I played the fool You took my memories When you walked right through the For the day And I walk right out And come and say Fall for the day And I walk right out And come and say Gotta run, gotta run, gotta hide my baby Gotta run, gotta run, gotta hide and go Gotta run, gotta run, gotta hide my baby Gotta run, gotta run, gotta hide and go heart away You broke me down You took my memories Left on the ground You took my energy I played the fool You took my innocence when you walked right through the Gotta run, gotta run, gotta hide my baby Gotta run, gotta run, gotta hide, I know Gotta run, gotta run, gotta hide my baby Gotta run, gotta run, gotta hide, I know God, let's play some drum songs. Hey guys, we should say a big congratulations to Brandon. Is Brandon here? <laughs> I feel like I should be clinking a glass and then you should be kissing. All right. Fucking set. Are you fucking Heart said he'd lie for you, but the truth means nothing to him anyway. But he know he'd come for you, whether innocent or guilty or between the two. Peace arms found me from behind the door, the keyboard trembles in the face of his. 
Turn out a ghostly smile Around the ways and tumble out The ship can't hold another body And the big dogs can't keep the ghosts in us at bay When the dawn comes, they'll be watching everyone else You hear the night god coming Those lights you trod the stairs The dark gods vomiting everywhere Running hard from the road The oceans near your almost home Hope is more, the sea is warm Sea is warm, sea is warm Know the ship can't hold another body this way And the big dogs can't keep the ghosts in us at bay When the dawn comes, they'll be watching everyone else You hear the night god coming You hear the night god coming You hear the night god coming Thank you, this is our last one.
One-armed drummer, Nick Kraska. Thank you, guys. Thanks too much. Hey, everybody. Thanks. That's the show. We did a talk show. Thanks for sticking around. That was a lot of fun. Post-Honeymoon was amazing. And you can show that support by purchasing gorgeous, gorgeous albums right here at this very table. Prescott Tolk's going to be at the Red Bar Comedy Club. There's flyers right there. There's a discount code right there. And Amy Phillips is one of the nicest human beings. Lives down the road, matter-of-factly. And uh, she's on Pitchfork, and all of you know that website. Finally, The Whistler. Holy fuck, this place is great. Buy their drinks if you can't afford their drinks. I don't know why you'd be here, but either way, they have records to buy, so there's a souvenir to take home. It's much better than VD. Esmeralda was fantastic. Jeremy's fantastic. Thanks, everybody, and have a wonderful night.